Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Grimaldi here with Street Talk Theology, where we bring theology and we bring it to the streets. We are loaded this morning. We got everybody here. Uh, give me a shout out, Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail. Um, I got a brother Ashuk here, Pastor Michael here from India. I see a big smile on Ashuk's face. He hasn't been able to join us in a while, but he's got this now top shelf high speed internet. So he's ready to rock and roll with us here on Street Talk Theology as we continue in the epistle of James. But anyway, let's hear from uh, Mr. Ashuk for a minute, then we'll hear from Pastor Michael, and then we'll we'll get right into the text uh, as we're still in. <laughs> I think we spent an hour in that one verse last time, Pastor Michael, and we we still want to get to one piece of verse one, and then we'll we'll try to get into the tongue today. Uh, Ashuk, what's going down, kid? Good to see you. Uh, so happy to be back here. Uh, and uh, there weren't many big reasons for me not being here, except that my internet was acting up. So uh, here I am. I'm very happy to be back. Modern technology ain't so modern, huh? Yes, yes. It's not so smart. <laughs> Pastor, <laughs> Pastor Michael, talk to us, man. What's happening with the church? How's baby Ethan? How's the, the new child on the way? How's your wife? Let us know what's going down. By the grace of God, everything's been going well. Um, church has been doing well as well. So we've been, um, we're kind of getting prepared for the Easter, the Passion Week. Um, so we're trying to see if we can do a few events that week, uh, outreach events, kind of get the gospel out and uh, invite a lot of people. Those things are in the works. God has been good to us and God has been keeping us. We recently had a sermon on church membership. And so we've suddenly got a lot of people who've followed through and asked us how they can become members of the church. So a lot of things happening on that front. And uh, so we're praying and uh, praying that the Lord will guide us through it all. We're doing great. We're doing great. Yeah, praise the Lord. Uh, church membership, very important. Um, you, you see that throughout the scriptures when Paul will say, like, you know, Onesimus is one of your number, and and uh, we were having a discussion about that the the other day. Uh, you know, just I was thinking about something when you mentioned, and we'll get to James in a second. This is the problem, Ashuk. Michael, uh, Pastor Michael says something, and something just triggers my brain. Um, but I do have a question. You know, I was in a discussion the other day, and obviously we were going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday here. This is the first year we're not going to have a sunrise service, so we're going to just have our regular Bible study and then go into okay. the morning service. But, you know, I was thinking about this, Pastor Michael and Ashuk. I know that there is a celebration of Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. But I was wondering, so here's a theological question. Do you think that the same people that were actually waving those palms would actually also condone the crucifixion of Christ? Do you think that 
those <laughs> I know this is a hard question, right? Uh, uh, but do you think the do you think because you know we were discussing? Well, you know, do you celebrate Palm Sunday? Do you not? I, I know the Catholics have a tradition what they do. I know in the Book of Revelation there is a waving of the palms, but I just wonder in the context. I, I'm, I this is what happens on Street Talk Theology when something comes to my mind. Uh, uh, Pastor Michael, I'll start with you in the context. From what I've heard, uh, some uh, church historians have said that the same people that were waving those palms and saying, here's the Messiah, could have been the same people that were saying also crucify him. Um, but just a question before we start. Any any thoughts, Pastor Michael? Yeah, I remember when, uh, I think when I preached through that text, I was uh, talking about how it wouldn't be too surprising to find that happen because we do see that in the life of Israel a lot. We do see that in the life of the Jews a lot. We do see that those who uh, appeared to walk closely with him would hear what he has to say and at some point say that these are too hard for anyone to hear and they just walk away. Um, and so you, you, you had people coming to him for different reasons. Um, we know that um, in the New Testament at that period of time, even his disciples assumed that his redemption would be a redemption from the Roman rule rather than a redemption from sin. And so the Jews expected that kind of a redeemer, that kind of a messiah. And uh, Jesus did not come to wage that war at that point in time. He came for a different battle. And so I think it is very possible that it's, it, it's still... Uh, could be the same group of people or all much in the group were also you know condemning him when he was there but for me as far as celebrations are concerned i like to think of celebrations in the new testament that the church does as an act in the history of redemption so we can look at something that was misused misappropriated and then we can use it righteously we don't have to throw away uh, a celebration of Palm Sunday because of the people uh, at that time who did it uh, with wrong motivations and without strong convictions. But we get to, as believers on this side of the cross, redeem the celebrations and do them righteously. So it does not matter for me as far as celebrations are concerned, how it happened back then. Uh, but it is a good reminder for us, however, to recognize that many of the people who did follow Jesus were, were probably standing in front of the cross and condemning him. Ashok, please. <clears throat> uh, this is new information to me. Uh, I always assumed that uh, the, uh, the ones who recognized Christ to be the Messiah were, were the faithful ones among the first fruits, were the faithful ones among the Jews. And that's just an assumption that I've had. But if uh, scholars have a genuine reason, uh, I'm, I'm just curious to know why they would say that. What is the uh, reasoning behind it? Like Mike said, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if that happened. Even you know, on the night uh, Christ's crucifixion, you couldn't really say apart between uh, Judas and Peter. They both looked guilty. They both had sinned. They both had denied Jesus Christ. Uh, so that was the situation. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. But, yeah, I do not know the reasons why uh, scholars uh, would say that. But just uh, on that note, I have great dislike for Pauline and Old Testament and many of the gospel scholars, to be honest. 
and uh, the reason being this especially when i uh, sit with my uh, fiance and look through a lot of the things that she has to study a lot of it is just a lot of theoretical um, old testament uh, you know pauline studies and all those things and uh, and i just have to disagree with a lot of these very smart scholars because a lot of it is just assumptions and a lot of eisegesis and a lot of uh, academics that does not have any uh, you know biblical uh, root so those are the kinds of leaps that we're talking about <laughs> yeah no no and i i think not all seminary material is bad i mean i you know yeah, yeah. there you know there are good scholars that um that are that do teach well and this is just um it just the 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 i think what what pastor michael was saying just the the mindset of that time <clears throat> there were followers of jesus but then they were really followers in other words there were people that followed for the food and for the miracles and 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 maybe in the case in palm sunday more of a physical redemption from rome than maybe an eschatological redemption um that Christ was looking forward to but but those those are good just debates or um just musings of, so that's that's my bad guys it just came to my head when uh pastor michael was talking about resurrection sunday um okay so we didn't have our shuk on we spent uh, an hour on teaching how important it is that it, that not many of you should become teachers my brothers knowing that we will receive the stricter judgment and and that's the part i don't know if we really honed in on i think we we spoke a lot about how important good solid exegesis and hermeneutics is in teaching but i i don't know and if we did it doesn't matter cuz uh ashuk wasn't here so th- this is something he can also weigh in on and I'll start with Ashuk on that so why do you think Ashuk that the Bible says first of all let there not be many teachers and we covered that at length um but then it says because you will receive a stricter judgment just reading it is James here maybe speaking to a stricter judgment like not having salvation is can and i'm not saying we know that one salvation could not be lost and we know that this is the earliest epistle written we know that he's most probably speaking to christian jews not limited to christian jews but probably the main focus so what would he mean by stricter judgment why are teachers would be under stricter judgment and what is that judgment entail Ashuk first, uh, Pastor Michael uh, next. Uh, I think in the context, it has directly to do with the uh, taming the tongue and the kind of role that the pastor plays in teaching. Uh, so uh, throughout the scripture, we have great emphasis on the power of speech, and this is not to talk about word of faith, but a very scriptural <laughs> understanding of it. Uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty one: Death and life are in the power of the tongue. and they uh, they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof romans 10:9 if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the lord jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that god hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved 1 john 4:15 whoever shall confess that jesus is the son of god 
God dwelleth in him, and he is God. So there is a lot to do uh, in the scripture with what a man says, what comes out of his mouth is understood to be what is in his heart. And when that is not the case, we have the case of hypocrisy. And uh, James very much says that if you if you can bridle your tongue, it is indicative of the fact that you're able to bridle your heart. What comes out of your mouth, the confession, everything has direct uh, give and take with the heart. I think um, Jesus talks about it's it's not what goes inside that defiles a man, but what comes out. Uh, also, when Peter confesses that Jesus Christ is Son of God in Matthew 16, uh, Jesus talks about that confession, how God has put it in his heart and all that. So how the tongue has uh, a lot of power, how it can uh, be the primary tool God uses in a church through a preacher uh, to guide and lead the uh, sheep towards sanctification, towards knowing God better. At the same time, the danger of the tongue is the power of it is such that you can uh, lead a lot of people into destruction, which seems to be uh, verses three to eight. What what it is talking about? Uh, so, the the greater judgment could might be because of the uh, the office itself. Yeah, and and we're going to get into the tongue in 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 a bit. The stricter judgment, Pastor Michael. I want to hone in on what that might be. Um, obviously, like Ashuk said, it has to do with like it's going to get into speech and things like that. Well, what you're going to get into in in a few minutes, but the stricter judgment, I, I'm I'm kind of honing in on that. Obviously, it can't be loss of salvation. We don't believe it's false teaching, or maybe it is. Just maybe your opinion on. Um, and, and Ashu gave us a beautiful introduction to get into the tongue. So that's that's good. Contextually, like Ashuk said, it's dealing with the with the tongue issue, but stricter judgment in uh excommunication, or not maybe not excommunication, but stepping down from being a teacher, or what would be the judgment there? Would you lose your office? Or if I can um ask that question. Pastor Mike? Yeah. So um when, when it specifically talks about judgment, um, I think, uh, you know, when we read the Bible, oftentimes people picture judgment with the final judgment or uh, they picture judgment with uh, something as severe as um, losing salvation and things like that, those kind of languages. But uh, I think specifically it's also talking about uh, the consequences I think the uh, the discipline of the Lord weighs heavily upon leaders. And I think that's the specific use of the word judgment here. As a church, we're studying Matthew chapter 18, and we were looking at how spiritual discipline is exercised within the church. And we were going throughout the Bible and seeing how God exercises judgment upon his people, his genuine uh, faithful people, the judgment of the Lord is an anointing. It is a it is a blessing. The discipline of the Lord is a measure of his love for us. Because as a father who loves his son will discipline him, so will our heavenly father discipline us. So the office of a teacher whose mission is to teach and preach the word of God 
to God's people is held by God to a higher standard of judgment, to a greater strictness of judgment. And uh, I think that's specifically what the text is talking about. And we do find that in uh, across the Bible when it talks about leaders who are found in sin, right? As much as the Bible says that uh, you must not entertain opposition against a preacher without evidence or slander against a preacher without the evidence of multiple witnesses, because that is his position and you must respect it. The Bible also says that leaders who are found and caught in sin should be shamed publicly. There is a sense in which when we look at Matthew chapter 18 or when we even look at uh, the qualifications of an elder, you immediately begin to see a higher standard the Bible expects of leaders, of uh, elders within the church. And so it is stricter judgment could specifically also be that if an elder is caught or found in a specific kind of sin or uh, habitual sinful life, that he might be asked to step down from that ministry uh, in, as an act of judgment. Yeah, yeah, well said. So, Ashu, piggybacking off, Pastor Michael, this is a serious question. If a man, if a, if a teacher, a teaching elder is caught in a consequence of sin where, say, the stricter judgment, according to uh, Michael's exegesis, um, is he needs to step down from the pulpit, let's say. Um, let's say it's something, it could be in, in something he said, uh, something he did, Ashuk. And, uh, but, so here's a question. This is, a, again, something a little off the cuff, but I think it's, I think it's a good question. And we got like five minutes left on this. So, but Ashuk, here's, here's, here's a question for me that I want to ask. If a man who is a teaching elder, a pastor, you know, the lead pastor of a church, and he gets caught in some type of transgression, speech, physical, whatever, is there ever a time, do you think, that that man can be reinstated back behind the pulpit? Ashuk first, and Pastor Michael, if we can't get to you, I want to, we'll go on the next segment because I do want to hear this. I think this is apropos, apropos to this question here about stricter judgment, right? So my, my question is to Ashuk first, and then if we got to reiterate this, we will, because this is important. Do you think, is it possible for a man who has to step down from the pulpit for whatever reason would be able to go back and be a teaching elder or a lead pastor in a church? So I want to answer this in two ways. One is that uh, there is a definitely yes side to it. Say a uh, father of a godly family um, and he is an elder. And then one of his children starts denying God and has a face of ungodliness. In that particular scenario, if it's getting out of hand, one of the other elders, some of the few other elders might come and say, uh, Pastor, you might it might be good that you're stepping down from ministry right now because one of the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 is that your household is in faith. And at that point, it's it's more than disciplining the uh, 
the elder, it's also important that the elder has the time to work with his son before he tries to fix the congregation that he's able to fix the household. And once he's successfully able to do it, the, the son is back in faith and he believes Christ and everything, then I do not think there is anything keeping him from coming back or uh, in such a situation. A great so, point. Think, very good. Very good point. Yeah. But in, in these kinds of questions, I mean, uh, mostly what people mean is a big sin that has left a lot of damage, say something like an adult, a uh, case of an adultery or something like that. What the Bible says, he the man should be without reproach. And in Titus, it says that he's spoken well about by others. Now, that is tricky, exegetically tricky uh, for me because... It, it, a lot of it seems to have been left to our conscience to make that call. So, of course, we know that uh, uh, there are always be people going to say bad things about good preachers. So it's not just about anything that they say. Uh, so at what point is it reasonable level of accusation to bring about, say, a man committed the great sin of adultery, like in the life of David, the kind of uh, disciplining that he got, the uh, kind of change that he had in his life was so transformative that he became a very godly man. Is there room for him to come back? I am not sure. That I want to say that I do not know the answer at that uh, point. And I, I am sure it will take a very long time, at least for him to come back to the pulpit, if if it is permissible. But then, yeah, that's the extent of my wisdom. I, I, I think you are. Uh, don't worry, Pastor Michael. We are taking this on the other side. I, I know that uh, Pastor Michael's chopping at the bit, but uh, but <clears throat> that was a great point. It was a great point that Ashuk made with the with the family issue because if you can't control your own house, but if, then if you can get it into order, that was a great point. I didn't even think about that. But I know Pastor Michael has got some things to say concerning this. And we're at our 25-minute mark. So, Pastor Michael, would you would you guys mind coming back? Because if you don't come back, you're not going to be able to talk about this, uh, Pastor Michael. And I know you want to say a couple of things about this. Am I right, at least? Did you want to say a couple of things? Yeah, yeah. I'm on, I'm on the edge of my seat here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Street Talk Theology, where we take theology and we bring it to the streets. Pastor Dominic Romaldi with Ashuk and Pastor Michael. Um, we will ju- we will be back for the next segment. For you, will be next week. For us, it'll be in a few minutes. But praise the Lord. And we, uh, we'll be uh, looking forward to hearing Michael's exegesis on if a pastor is um, disqualified for some reason. Uh, can he get back behind the pulpit? And with that, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org. Amen.